Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And, and tonight we're going to approach things in a slightly different way um, and look at questions around memorials, statues, and memorialization and historical memory. Um, and look at the perhaps the, 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 well, certainly the largest and one of the most significant um, statues to commemorate um, the Second World War. Uh, which is the uh, the Motherland Cause, which is the great statue to um, the Battle of Stalingrad, and really to the the, the Soviet war dead in in general, at uh, Mameyev Kurgan, uh, which uh, is on the hilltop just above uh, Stalingrad, where some of the fiercest fighting uh, are of the entire uh, siege. Uh, took place. We're looking at Prisoners of History, which is a new book by Keith Lowe, uh, and as as you'll know, I've been a real fan of his work for some time. Um, and the, the the reason why I think it's important to look at memorialization about historical memory and how historical memory um, is captured in in sort of in concrete, uh, as it is in in, in this case. Is because it's it's the way in which um, gr- certain groups and uh, normally states um, establish their their conquest of the past, um, and the way in which um, the past is transported into the present in kind of material form. Um, and so, without further ado, let's let's talk about um, the motherland calls. Um, and Keith Lowe writes. Mameyev Kurgan is not the site of a single monument, but of a complex of monuments, each more gigantic than the last. But the first time I came there, I felt it was entering a realm of titans. At the foot of the hill stands a huge sculpture of a bare-chested man clutching a machine gun in one hand and a grenade in the other. He seems to rise out of the very rock, torso rippling, as tall as a three-storey building. Beyond him, 
on either side of the steps that lead to the summit are relief sculptures of giant soldiers springing out of the ruined walls as if in the midst of battle. Piled up the hill is a gigantic figure of a grieving mother, more than twice the size of my house. She's hunched over the body of her dead son, sobbing into a large pool of water for the lake of tears. The dozens of statues arranged in this park are all giants. Not one of them is under six metres or twenty feet tall. And some of them depict heroes three or four times that size. And yet they are dwarfed by the single statue that rises above them, or rises above them all, on the summit of the hill. Here, overlooking the Volga, stands the colossal representation of Mother Russia, beckoning to her children to come and fight for her. Her mouth is open in battle cry, her hair and dress fluttering in the wind. And in her right hand she holds a vast sword, pointing up into the sky. From her feet to the tip of her sword, she stands at nearly 85 metres, or 280 feet tall. She is nearly twice as tall and 40 times as heavy as the Statue of Liberty in New York City. When she was first unveiled in 1967, she was the largest statue in the world. So, the, the, the Motherland Calls was um, built long after Stalin himself was dead and gone. Um, I mean, partly the, the, the huge nature of the project uh, was uh, one factor in uh, why it took so long. But also um, the fact that the, um, the Soviet Union needed to continue um, to memorialise the, the loss and the trauma of the war and to continue, particularly during the Cold War, to give uh, reason and purpose to the war as the great patriotic struggle. By the late 1960s, when the statue was unveiled, um, the Soviet Union was encountering uh, a prolonged, uh, prolonged uh, economic downturn, which uh, morphed into the kind of the sluggishness of the 1970s. And part of the, the, the political purpose of remembering the sacrifices of the war and the destruction of fascism and the, um, the great patriotic nature of the war, which is, is referred to as the, the great patriotic war, um, was to uh, re continue to re remind the Soviet population of its kind of historic purpose when uh, that by 1967 must have seemed kind of quite a uh, quite a uh, quite distant compared to the um, the seemingly kind of uh, endless crises of Soviet communism here of course you have a, a regime that was seriously challenged by its nearest nearest neighbour, Maoist China, you have a regime that is failing uh, in the Cold War. You have a regime whose um, any claim by the following year, by 1968, any claim of being emancipatory or part of the future of humanity is, um, you know, proved a nonsense by uh, Soviet uh, the, the Soviet overthrow of um, a democratic regime in Czechoslovakia. You have a regime that had already shown its, um, its ability to be 
vastly more brutal in 1956 in Hungary, which had crushed uh, as uh, equivalent uprisings in the early 1950s in Poland and in uh, East Germany. So, um, using memorialization to focus on this one key aspect of, of um, struggle against the, um, uh, the external enemy, particularly an external enemy as monstrous as Nazi Germany, uh, is hugely, um, hugely valuable to state propagandists. Uh, of course, this is uh, part of um, Britain's endless experience with uh, our kind of national obsession with wartime nostalgia that Britain's relative economic and social decline since the Second World War um, can be uh, easily shadowed and easily sort of blotted out by kind of uh, by glorious tales of uh, wartime daring do, um, which of course don't have to stand up to close scrutiny particularly um, and or have to stand in comparison to the massive sacrifices made by the, the, the Soviet Union. Anyway, to continue, um, Keith Lowe writes, This memorial, entitled The Motherland Calls, is one of Russia's most iconic statues. It was the creation of Soviet sculptor Evgeny Vuketic, uh, who spent years designing and building it. It contains around 2,500 metric tons of metal and 5,500 tons of concrete. The sword alone weighs 14 tons. So huge was the statue that Vuketic um, was obliged to collaborate with the structural engineer Nikolai Nikitin to ensure that it did not collapse under its own weight. Holes had to be drilled in the sword to reduce the threat of wind catching it and causing the whole structure to sway. Were this monument in Italy or France, it would appear absurdly grandiose, but here on the banks of the Volga, in a city that was once called Stalingrad, it feels quietly appropriate. The battle that took place here in 1942 dwarfs anything that happened in the West. It began with the greatest German bombardment of the war, and progressed with attacks and counter-attacks by more than a dozen entire armies. Within the city itself, soldiers fought from street to street, and even from room to room, in a landscape of shattered houses. Over the course of five months, around two million men lost their lives, their health or their liberty. The combined casualties of this one battle were greater than the casualties that Britain and America together suffered during the whole of the war. As one stands on the summit of Mamiyav Kurgan, the shadow, in the shadow of the gigantic statue of the motherland, one can feel the weight of all this history. And I suppose that that is the point of, um, of memorials uh, and statues and um, public uh, markers of um, uh, shared histories, um, is to imbue them with that certain kind of totemic power. Um, which one gains the sense that history almost runs through the object. Um, the cenotaph in the Mall, for example, or the uh, Lincoln Memorial or the Washington Monument, or any of these, um, again, these I iconic or totemic uh, objects um, are designed to really uh, channel the way in which uh, the public 
conceives of the past. And also they are tools for kind of dominating public space, uh, public space that can be used in uh, a variety of different ways. Well, a, a monument, something like the Motherland Calls, uh, gives the public space an unmistakable and overwhelming and defined meaning. Keyslow writes, It's oppressive, even for a foreigner, but for many Russians this place is sacred. The word Kurgan in Russian means tumulus or burial mound. The hill is an ancient site dedicated to a 14th century warlord, but in, its way, but in the wake of the greatest battle, of the greatest war in history, it carries a new symbolism. This place was one of the major battlegrounds of 1942, and an unknown number of soldiers and civilians are buried here. Even today, when walking on the hill, it's possible to find fragments of metal and bone buried in the soil. The Motherland statue stands both figuratively and literally upon a mountain of corpses. And one could argue that so does 20th century Russia. The scale of the war in Russia, writes Kieslow, is one, is one reason why the monuments at Mamiev Kurgan are so huge. But it's, all, but it's not the only reason. In fact, it's not even the main reason. The statues of muscular heroes and weeping mothers might be huge, but it is the giantess on the summit of the hill that dominates them all. It's important to remember that this is a representation not of the war, but of the motherland. It is a message, its message is simple. No matter how great the battle, no matter how great the enemy, the motherland is still greater. Her colossal size is supposed to be a comfort to the struggling soldiers and weeping mothers, a reminder that for all their sacrifice, they are at least a part of something powerful and magnificent. This is the true meaning of Mamiev Kurgan. The um, war years for the Soviet Union saw a kind of a, a radical reversal in all sorts of aspects of public discourses about um, the Soviet uh, about the, the Soviet state. Stalin was quite conscious um, in his um, use of a really quite uh, antiquated language to uh, motivate the population. This was a, uh, a, a holy war, in a way. This was a, the great patriotic war uh, for the motherland. These are terms that had never really been used about the Soviet Union prior to 1941. And uh, the uh, depictions of figures such as Alexander Nevsky, who defeated the Teutonic Knights of Friedrich Barbarossa uh, the first time round, was uh, resurrected. And instead of uh, the, uh, the revolution um, being the motivating factor in encouraging people to... Uh, Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The nation itself was. The, 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 the motherland and that uh, was uh, the thing that was... Uh, and should be uh, motivating Soviet citizens. And, of course, these motivations to nation and tribe and identity uh, and nationality run far deeper than uh, imposed, and fairly superficially imposed, revolutionary uh, concepts and, um, uh, and, and ideolo- uh, ideological precepts. And... The motherland calls it was built, of course, in 1967, um, years after the end of the war, 22 years after the end of the war, um, 22 years which would, for most Soviet citizens, have been exceedingly bleak, um, and even as uh, material conditions improved, still the uh, the shadow of the war and of the, the, the mass killings by Stalin before it uh, were a, a kind of almost unending trauma in Russian society. Keith Lowe writes, In the aftermath of the Second World War, the people of the Soviet Union had little to console them. Not only were they traumatised by loss, but they also faced an uncertain future. Russians did not benefit economically from the war as the Americans did. The violence had left their economy in ruins. Nor did Russians win any new freedoms, despite the widespread hopes of a political thaw after 1945. Stalinist repression soon started to boil over again. Life in Russia after the war was grim. The only consolation offered to Russia and to other Soviet people was that their country had proven itself at last to be a truly great nation. In 1945, the USSR possessed the largest army the world had ever seen. It dominated not only the vast Eurasian landmass, but also the Baltic and the Black Sea. The Second World War had not only restored the the country's borders, but extended them, both to the east and the west. And Soviet influence now stretched deep into the heart of Europe. Before the war, the Soviet Union had been a second-rate power, weakened by internal upheaval. After the war, it was a superpower. Um, And, of course, the the Soviet Union um, had in the eyes of its citizens, scored an immense moral victory over the evils of Nazism. One has to, of course, ignore the evils of Stalinism during the war and the uh, the many, many horrific um, uh, abuses and murders of civilians and prisoners during the war, uh, for that one to make any sense. 
But when Soviet soldiers liberated uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau, um, there was a widespread belief amongst them um, that when they saw the, the horrors of what the Nazis had done, that whatever their side perpetrated, it was as nothing compared to the evils of Nazism, and that the, the war itself had been a great moral crusade and, and was, um, the, had been the, the right conflict to fight. And of course, you know, when um, the, uh, the British discovered Bergen-Belsen, when the Americans discovered Dachau, um, a, a very similar experience was had amongst British and American soldiers of these, uh, this was an evil regime and we, dis uh, we, were, we were right to fight it to, to the end. The motherland statue on Mamiev Kurgan was designed to be proof of all of this, the, um, uh, of, of the uh, newfound Soviet uh, military prowess and, and uh, conquest. It was built in the 1960s when the USSR was at the height of its strength. It stood as a warning to anyone who dared attack the Soviet Union, but also as a symbol of reassurance to the Soviet people. The giant, it was declared, would always protect them. For the, for the Russian citizens who first stood on the summit of this hill, with the motherland statue at their backs, the vistas looked endless. Everything to the west of them for a thousand miles was Soviet territory. To the east they could travel through nine time zones without once leaving their country. Even the heavens seemed to belong to them. The first man in space, a Russian, and the first woman too. It's impossible to look up at the motherland statue without gazing beyond to the endless skies over her. Since those days Russia has never stopped building war memorials, Many of them are on a similar scale to those at Volgograd, uh, or Stalingrad as it, is, as it was. In 1974, for example, the statue, uh, uh, 42 metres tall, uh, high of a Soviet soldier was erected in Mamansk in memory of the men who died during the defence of the Arctic Russia during uh, July 1941. In the early 1980s, when Ukraine was still part of the Soviet Union, a second motherland statue was erected at Kiev, Like the statue on, uh, on Mami of Kurgan, it was designed by Vukatic, um, including uh, its plinth. It stands over 100 metres or 320 feet tall. And in 1985, in celebration of the 40th anniversary of the end of the war, a 79 metre high victory monument around 260 feet tall was erected in Riga, the capital of Soviet Russia, Soviet Latvia. All of these statues and monuments were all meant to be symbols of power and confidence. But a generation after the motherland statue in Volgograd was inaugurated, Soviet power began to waver. In the 1980s, Eastern Bloc countries like Poland and East Germany began to pull away from Soviet influence, culminating in the collapse of communism in those countries in 1989. Then pieces of the Soviet Union itself began to break off. First Lithuania in March 1990, followed by in, in quick succession by 13 other states in Baltic, Eastern Europe, the Caucasus and Central Asia. The giant was crumbling. The dissolution of the USSR was finally announced in, uh, on the 26th of December 1991. So sometimes uh, statues of conflicts past, of achievements past, of glories past, are ways of compensating for the crises of the present or the shortcomings are, are of the present. And it, it is noticeable 
across the, the faltering democracies of Great Britain and the United States of America in the past couple of years, the statues have become focal points uh, of uh, kind of reactionary right-wing rhetoric and uh, uh, cultural conflict uh, as um, these, the present becomes ever more uncertain and ever more shaky, looking to the past and looking to kind of cherry-picked aspects of the past to memorialise um, is uh, for certain uh, demographics um, and who kind of hove to nationalist ideas and uh, a sense of stability and continuity and patriotism. This is hugely, hugely important and then this is how they become flashpoints of, of conflict as the past is inevitably, if you look at the... Uh, um, uh, the, the Colston statue here in Bristol in the UK, the past is always uh, contested. The sense of despair, writes um, Keith Lowe, the sense of despair felt by many Russians, this is uh, in 1991, in the period was palpable. Madeleine Albright, America's Secretary of State at the end of the 1990s, tells the story of meeting a Russian man who complained that we used to be a superpower but now we're Bangladesh with missiles. For decades, national greatness had been the only consolation for all the loss that men like him had suffered throughout the century. Now this too had been taken away. In such an atmosphere, Russia's gargantuan war, uh, war memorials began to look less like symbols of power, and more like Ozymandias in the famous poem by Shelley, relics of past glories destined to be swallowed slowly but surely, by the sands of time. But this did not stop the Russian authorities from building them. On the contrary, Russia has never uh, stopped celebrating the glories of the Second World War. In 1995, for example, a brand new museum of the Great Patriotic War was opened in Moscow. In front of it stands a monument that is even taller than the statue at Mami of Kurgan. In fact, standing at 141.8 metres, or 465 feet, is the tallest Second World War memorial, Second World War memorial anywhere in the world. Other monuments followed in April 2007 at Belgorod, um, Kursk, and Oryol were declared cities of military glory because of the role they had played during the war, and brand new obelisks were erected in each location. The following October, five more cities were given the title, and five more obelisks erected. Within just five years, more than 40 cities across Russia are honoured in the same way with a brand new monument springing from Vyborg to Vladivostok. Why do Russians continue to commemorate the war in this manner? More than 75 years have passed since the final days of the conflict. It's not, it's not time, is it not time to lay it to rest? Well, this is a, an interesting, complex and vexed question. Um, and the idea, firstly, that this is Russians doing this and not... Uh, the state doing it is, is, is challengeable. What tends to happen with the creation of, uh, of, of official public um, memorialisation of sculptures is, is that governments build them. They may well have uh, widespread public popularity, they may not. It's uh, difficult, to, difficult to gauge. But often these things are built 
not so much to commemorate wars, but as but to harness uh, and to direct um, nationalist sentiment or a a sense of wanting to belong to or be connected to the past, and the uh, the reason for harnessing that is almost always duplicitous. It's almost always um, a way of detracting from current problems or um, trying to bolster support for a particular political party or leader uh, based on the extent to which they appear to be patriotic uh, or they appear to be able to reward ordinary citizens with a sense of duty and pride uh, and uh, civic self-belief and confidence. Anyway, we'll look more at um, Keith Lowe's excellent book, Prisoners of History. This book was sent to me, by the way, from an independent bookshop uh, called Storytellers Inc. in uh, St. Anne's-on-Sea. Um, I've kind of adopted Storytellers Inc. as my uh, my source of, uh, of books. Um, I urge everybody who's listening... To, to do something similar. If you want to get yourself a really good book, anything I recommend um, or anything else, if you pay one or two pounds more um, and order it directly from a local bookshop, um, you, you know, that couple of pounds won't cost you anything really. It's not really going to change your life or, you know, turn your world upside down, is it? But it will be a lifeline to an independent retailer. And once those guys are gone, they're not coming back. You know, they're part of an ecosystem that we've, we, 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 we must support. So I, I've adopted Storytellers Inc. So if you're, if you're listening out there, um, find an independent bookshop. It can be anyone you like, you know, because they'll put things in the post to you, and adopt them for all your book needs. It'll only cost you a couple of pounds more in every purchase. Perhaps not even that, uh, and uh, you'll be doing them a wonderful, a wonderful help because uh, we need these guys. Anyway, that's my little speech. Um, come over and check us out at explaininghistory.org. Um, there'll be new content going up there pretty soon. Um, I'm uh, going to be putting some new stuff on on YouTube, and we'll be working on uh, some of the major projects for explaining history that should be coming out next year about which more you'll hear soon. Take good care, everybody. All the best. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.